Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, all right, good. Um, I, I, I just, as you were doing the intro, there, I kind of just sat here and looked out the window, getting ready to say, "I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast." And it just kind of hit me how long we've been doing this for now. It's quite a while, isn't it? You were um, a young whippersnapper when we started, mm. aged fourteen. That's right, and now I'm an old whipper snopper. Oh, Age seventy-four. Age seventy-four. That's how long we've been doing it. No, sixty years. That would be. Not yes. very good at maths, but yes. But yes, I'm quite well. Are you quite well? I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a long few weeks. I think, as I said, um, the last time we we recorded, I could do with a bit of a break. I could still do with a bit of a break, and yeah, I'm probably going to book that soon. So yes, maybe you could go. Uh, you could go on that trip that you've always wanted to go on to Bognor Regis. Yes. I know you've always been very keen to do that, so uh, maybe place of dreams for that's right. just about everyone here. That's right, and you can buy that uh, that Kit Kat that you've always wanted as well. Were you there to enjoy that? We meant no offence to anyone from Bognor Regis, or to people who don't like Kit Kats, which or is to nobody. That are... Kit Kats are great. So we're here to discuss another one of our um, games, our own choices. So this week is my choice, um, as revealed in the last episode two weeks ago. It is Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. That's a mouthful. Um, so Near Replicant, as I'm going to call it, and I'm going to cut off the numbering system at the end. I'm because not very professional. I don't care. Ah. <laughs> I see. Um, has a meta score of 83. Um, it was released on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Uh, well, it was released on the PC as well, but it received that score of 83 on both the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Um, so, Near Replicant is a remaster, remake, probably closer to a remake of the original Near, um, which was released in the year 2010 on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 and the remake was released in the year 2021. Um, this game was developed by Caviar and the remake slash remaster was uh, developed by Toylogic and it was published by Square Enix. So um, yeah let's I'm just trying to, to figure out my order according to my notes. Backgrounds to this game. Um, do you know anything about the backgrounds to this game? Can you enlighten us or, or not? I, I, I don't... Well, until I played it, I didn't know anything about it. I'd, he I'd heard of Near Automata, or however it's pronounced. Near Tomato. Near Tomatoes, um, which is a sequel to Near Cucumbers, which uh, was a very popular game amongst greengrocers, I believe. Um, but now I, I, um, I watched a video that you sent me 
following completing the game and found out that there are kind of like two different versions of this game when it first came out one for the japanese correct audience and then one for the the western audience and they're they're kind of both both a bit different and the the remaster kind of merges the two together in some kind of way um not entirely but yeah i've i've heard of the near series and i knew that it was a japanese game but that's all i knew i I'd never taken any interest in Automata or Tomatoes. Um, so I was kind of going into this one blind. The only thing I knew about it was what you told me ahead of time, which wasn't really much, just that it was an no. RPG. Um, and the, the screenshots I saw of it kind of made me think of, you know, early to mid-2010s uh, Final Fantasy games, because obviously it's a, it's a square game. Yeah. So that was pretty much it. Um, pretty pretty blind with this one, I suppose, really. But it'll it'll be the opposite for you because you know all about it. Cause it's your selection. Yeah. So, Near is a spin-off series of the Drakengard series. Um, there are three Drakengard games to date, and um, before Near came out, two had been released. And yeah, it was. By all accounts, Yoko Taro, who is a Japanese um, games developer, director, director of the Nier series, um, he wanted to try something different with the next generation at the time, and they started developing Nier after Drakengard 2 came out. Um, there are similarities between Nier and Drakengard 2, but they are quite different at the same time. Oh, sorry, not Drakengard 2, the Drakengard series. Um and um, there are references to Drakengard throughout the game as well. So they take place in the same world, it is presumed. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a bit of a whistle-stop tour of the, um, the background, as you said. You've got Near Gestalt, which is um, what was released to Western audiences, but also in Japan, with Papa Near, which is basically a father figure that you play as. Um, so, very quickly, um, I will jump into um, a plot beat. So, you're trying to save your sister or daughter. If you're playing near Jestor, then you are trying to save your daughter and you are the father character. If you're playing near Replicants, you are a brother trying to save his sister. Um, so, obviously, differences being that the father is older, gruffer, and... Um, Square thought more appealing to the West, and uh, Replicant, the brother, is starts off being your your prototypical JRPG protagonist, and then starts to change a bit as the game develops. Um, so those are the key differences. And Near Replicant is a remake of the game with brother Near, um, although it does have um, a bit of DLC which involves Papa Near as well. Um, Okay, so what did the critics say at the time? As we have done before, um, I'm going to read what the uh, lowest scoring critic and the highest scoring critic said. Um, the lowest scoring critic said... It was a website called Video Gamer. Taro's approach, as in Yoko Taro, the director, is of a restless rarity. He swapped genres as though trying to scratch an itch. And that's it. Um, that's, what that's all they said. Uh, they gave that sixty, and uh, okay. again, I wouldn't say that 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 wording 
sounds necessarily representative of a 60, no. but... And then um, the highest score, with a score of 100... Um, Perfect Nirek, game. Jesus. Yeah. Version 1.224744871139 is a pitch-perfect update to one of the greatest stories ever told in the in the medium. Combat feels fast and fluid, much like players' tears once they finish the game. The new content feels natural, magic is more useful than ever, and the reprised music and voiceover bring the world to life. So, yeah, pretty glowing there. Um, so that's what the critics said at the time, which was, again, the caveat here is that was 2021, and the game originally, originally released quite a different reception. So maybe I'll give you a bit of an insight to that as well just for um, being thorough. Um, so the highest score the original game got was 68, which is obviously quite a big difference. And that's the PS3 version. And the highest critic, well, the lowest critic rating here, let's see if, if there's a bit of a gulf here. I think there might be. The lowest score said was a 40. As far as being an actioner that's worthy of your time, this is not up to the standard we'd expect. In fact, it's nowhere near. And that was a pun. Near. Nowhere near. Ah, nice. And oh, that was actually PlayStation... <laughs> that was PlayStation Official Magazine UK. Um, so actually a known source there. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, remember that magazine? InsideGamer.nl, which I'm guessing is Netherlands, um, gave a score of 90. Near is an awesome game which brings a great story, lots of gameplay variation, interesting characters, and a very good soundtrack. It's the surprise of this year. Again, a bit of a gulf between the critics. Mm. Um, so, just a bit of an idea of what the critics thought at the time, but we're going to delve into what we think as the episode progresses. Do you have any history with this game? I know you've touched on this. No. But... No, no, nothing. Um, yeah, I'd only heard of Automata. Before the uh, before this came up in your list, but no, never played any of them. Obviously, I played a few Japanese RPGs in my time, and like I said, this this gave me from looking at it for the first time. It gave me kind of early to mid twenty ten vibes of, of Final Fantasy. Um, yeah, like Final Fantasy um, thirteen. Final Fantasy thirteen, famously the very best Final Fantasy game, uh, as everyone. Everyone agrees. Um, yes. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone that doesn't like that game. Number one. Truly, truly awful. Uh, and that that will be um, one of your selections coming up, I believe. That's right. I keep talking about Final Fantasy VII, but actually I'm going to be doing Final Fantasy XIII because I know how popular it is. That's uh, yes. curveball for you, that is. Uh, yes. But yes, that, that's that's my history. Very, very, very well, not even very minimal. It, it, it's nothing. Um, how about you? When did you first play it? Um, again, with me, um, not as early as you'd expect. So I think I first played this, must have been around 2014. Um, so years after it came out, I, I knew of it when it came out. I kind of saw the back of the box and just thought it looked a bit bland, um, from the screenshots on the back of the box. And it, it wasn't especially attractive for the time. And, uh... I, I I bought it on the PS3 and played through it after reading retrospects retros, retrospectives and this game became a bit of a cult game after it released and 
um, you'll get a subsection of the internet saying how great it is. And I was curious. So I bought this and I played it in 2014 over Christmas. And um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I have played some of the Drakengard games in the past as well. I've played uh, number one, definitely. I've also played number three, which I could not stand, um, even though it's the same director. I thought it was a terrible game. <laughs> and it has, quite frankly, the worst boss fight I've ever played in a game that stopped me from playing that game. Um, if you know, you know. <laughs> quite. I do not. And However, I will urge you to go away and look up that boss fight um, after this because, yeah, it's rage-inducing awful. Um, Excellent. But you do get some naysayers saying that they love it, so there you go. Uh, so yeah, I've played played that as well, and I've also I've not actually completed near Automata um, or Automata, uh, but or I've played um, or Tomatoes. Um, but I've played a chunk of it, and I know it's coming up on the Open Critic list, so um, I'm looking forward to playing that through. I also own near Automata um, on the Xbox Series X and on the Switch, so I'm going to be taking my pick of which version to play. Okay. What version did you play for this list, for this I, um I had a look through your list probably about a month and a half, maybe two months ago, and thought I'd get a head start on buying a couple of games and seeing what was on sale. So I, I managed to get this in the PlayStation sale uh, about two months for ago. Three pence. Up. For three pence. For three pence. For six pence and a shilling. Um, I can't remember how much I bought it for, but yeah, I, I got it on the uh, the PlayStation Store and played it on the PS5. So um, yes, quite a quite a nice version uh, in terms of just being able to sit on the sofa and play it. So yes, PS5. Were you Xbox? I was yeah, Series X. I got this when it came out. I got this um, for my birthday when it came out. Now the on reason the I had a bit. Uh, no, no, I got this on on the Series X. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. To be fair, yeah. to be fair, I forget how long the console's been out now. To be fair, yeah, this was, um, this was, I think it came out in twenty twenty, the end of yeah, same and, as the PS3, but it was earlier. Yeah, so this was about half a year through its life cycle, mm. and uh, I had a bit of a decision to make when electing which version of Nier to put on this list. So the version I originally played was Gestalt with um, Papa Nier, and I really like that character. I know. Um, Lots of people say that the story with Brother Near is better, and I think there's an argument for that, but I also think, in its own right, Near Gestalt is, is very good, and um, Papa Near brings his own qualities to the role, if we're talking about acting, <laughs> which, which we're not. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I had a decision to make whether to, to pick um, the original Near um, Gestalt, which was not remastered or remade, or Replicants, I just thought, I started playing um, Replicants, which I hadn't played before um, this episode, and I thought, in terms of quality of life and just the improvements made to the combat system, I thought this is the one to play for the list, I thought it'd be the most user-friendly, and I think you might have had um, a slightly different reaction had we played the original version, so, um, okay. Can you tell us about the narrative at all order? Yeah, it's um it's quite a complicated story and I 
sometimes I complete games, sometimes I don't for the list. I completed uh, I completed a playthrough of this game, uh, and you told me that you know you can play through it a couple of times. Well, more than a couple there of times to get five um, endings for this game. Yeah, you need to play through the game five times, which. Full disclosure, I did not do. Uh, I didn't do it this time either. So. No. Um, but basically, the, the game is very much... Uh, you can play the game once and complete the story, and that will give you the base story. However, there are many, many more layers that get unlocked because each playthrough you do um, gives you a bit of a different narrative, kind of. Yeah. Um, but the game is based uh, 1,400 years in the future. Uh, the game starts in the year 2058 and society's kind of crumbling. And you play as a boy who's looking after his very sick sister. Um, and Poorly. she's got a, uh, a disease which basically puts black writing all over her body. And there is a book. And the, the, the protagonist, who we'll just call Nia for this... Yeah. Um, the, the protagonist, Nia, tells her not to touch the book. He goes out, fights some things called Shades, which are like these shadow ghostly things, uh, which you get context for towards the end of the game as yeah. to what they are. Um, until th that kind of breaks, then you move 1,400 years into the future and you come across the, the same two protagonists, but it's obviously you know a very long time in the future, but they're still kids so you've got near the protagonist and his sister yona who are living in this kind of village that looks like a bit of a traditional kind of fantasy rpg kind of yeah. vibe however you know the 2058 section of the game is very much what you would imagine you know post-apocalyptic modern day isn't it yeah yeah it, it looks like now but you know 40 years well 30 years in the future or whatever um so obviously, society crumbled, the world regressed, and yeah, and and the story is effectively um, the protagonist's sister uh, called Yona has got this yogurt. Yogurt, um, <laughs> yogurt has got this uh, this black scrawl disease in the the timeline um, where you play the game as well, fourteen hundred years in the future, and the protagonist effectively is trying to find a cure for her uh, because his sister is the most important thing in the world to him. Uh, and the game takes place over kind of two two sections. The first half, where you play as a younger version of Nia, who's probably, I don't know, 14, perhaps. Um, yeah. And he's trying to find this cure until the shades, which have been continuously taking over um, over the 1,400 years, um, basically break through into their village and someone called the Shadow Lord, who is a shade version of Nia, steals his sister Yona and the game then pauses for five years and you come back five years later. Nia's been searching for his sister for all that time um, and the game picks back up. You've got to do about four or five more dungeons because the game is very much do a dungeon, get progression, do a dungeon, get progression. Yeah. Uh, you do five more dungeons along with your two uh, companions, um, Kaine and uh, Emil. Uh, Emil, that's it. I was about to call it Elmin. And Grimoire Vice. And Grimoire Vice, who Grimoire Vice is a talking magical book uh, until you get to the end of the game where you've collected these five keys to get into a portal and you go in and kind of get your mind 
blown that there are no real humans left on the planet, even though you thought you were one, and the shadows that you've been killing are the actual real humans. And there was a... It's really bloody complicated, but there was a disease um, that broke broke out in the early 2000s um, called... Uh, what's the disease called? Gesh, guess, gestalt? Uh, gestalt, yeah. Gestalt. I, th- I, th- I thought um, it was, yeah. And it effectively separates human souls from their bodies uh, or from their shell. And a cure was created, but it didn't quite work. And effectively what you've been doing through the entire game, killing these shades, you've been killing humans and you kind of get your head blown a little bit. Until you get to the end of the game, you fight Shadow Nia um, and save Yona. And that's as much of a simple explanation of the story as I can yeah. give, I think. It's um, it's very layered and it's really hard to sum up this story. And it goes down avenues and places that I didn't see coming. Because um, yeah. I... I, I because you you suggested after I finished playing the game to watch a video which explains the other four endings. Yeah. Because uh, you said it kind of gives you a lot more context as to some of the characters and yeah. the the overall arch of the story. So I did that, and it's it's just a really hard story to sum up, and I don't think I've quite got my head around it yet. No, and it, it's probably the game's biggest strength um, is that story and the mm-hmm. the multiple layers and the characters. I mean each of the characters has their own plot and very, very well developed. So, I mean, you, you could probably go into a, a separate story about each of the characters and um, then and, there's... I the, mean, talk, the, talking about the characters and the story, that's a, an episode on its own, isn't it, really? That's it is, a whole 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, I think... Yeah, it's it's a real strong point for this game, and it tells the story very well. Um, okay, let's move on. What do you do in the game? Because um, you said it's an RPG, mm. resembles um, perhaps some of the Final Fantasies, but the what do you actually do? It's uh, it's like a semi semi platformer, but not really. But it's um, it's a relatively linear. Japanese RPG so progressing the story going to different areas with a goal to find something or to get something or to speak to someone defeating all the enemies in the area achieving your goal and then moving on to the next section effectively um, yeah there's there's not a, there's not a great deal of choice there are some choices here and there um, but this is not a choice based RPG as such no and something that you said to me quite early on uh, you were like try and work out the game that this um this game kind of follows in kind of footsteps of and it wasn't until i think the third or fourth dungeon or or, or puzzle or section if you want to call it that i kind of uh, clocked onto it that this game is very reminiscent of uh of the zelda games um, yeah. In terms of dungeon progress, dungeon Structure. progress, dungeon progress, and it wasn't even, even the world map. Yeah, is um, it's is, uh, got that field, central point. It? Yeah, you got that central point. I mean, you could you could argue it's like Clock Town in Majora's Mask. You've got that central point, and you can go yeah. in different directions from there. And the world is not a huge world. 
Um, it's quite a condensed world in the same way that Zelda games often have. Yeah, you, um, you, you go to each area multiple times, don't you? You'll go there yeah. once as a kid and then you'll go again as an adult. Um, and and to be to be fair, funnily enough, it wasn't the the dungeons and the structure that finally made it click for me. Do, do you do you have any idea of what it would have been that made it click for me in my head that it was a kind of a, 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 not a homage but kind of a, a Zelda esque vibe? Um, was it? <laughs> well, I, I can think of the famous homage moment where Go on. um where the prince of facade picks up a mask. Yep, <laughs> and. He holds it in the air, and you get a, a take on the yeah. dun, 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 dun. yeah, dun 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 or something like that. And uh, yeah, as soon, as, soon yeah. as that happened, I messaged. I was like, "Yeah, Zelda." <laughs> yeah, and then I didn't know which because you were like, "Yeah, but which one?" I was like, oh, "I don't know." And then halfway through the game, like like we said, uh, time goes forward five years, and you play as an older version of Nia. And I was like, "Ah, right, Ocarina of Time." <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and that has... happens in the library as well, doesn't it? Which is obviously um, a beat. In like line the Temple of Time. Temple of Time, yeah. Yeah. And, and it even has, um, as Ocarina of Time had, and, and uh, I commended it for this at the time that we recorded our episode, um, you can approach the dungeons in Adult Link, as Adult Link, in whatever order you please. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do the same here with, well, to, an, to a degree, yeah. as Adult Near. Um, so it really does borrow that structure, and I think once you know, it's really quite obvious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, I, I, I mentioned to you um, the other day that there, there's homages paid to quite, oh, yeah. quite a few one that I games. didn't know about, which I, I went away and looked at afterwards, and yeah, no, did 100%. you? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You're right. Yeah, there, it, it kind of. Um, it kind of surprised me a little bit, but there's um, one one of the well, it can be one of the first sections you go to once you become an adult. There is a laboratory underneath uh, potentially. Wait, is that that mansion. one's mandatory? That one. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, oh yeah, that is the, the first, first one. one you go to, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a lab underneath a potentially haunted mansion, um, which goes into an isometric view, um, and it's this abandoned laboratory where they were creating a secret weapon. And as you get towards the end, you, you kind of go into this void where you cross over a bridge and into this big kind of reactor looking thing and find this, um, this monster, um, kind of up against the wall in a bit of a Christ-like fashion. And as soon as that happened, I messaged you, I was like, that this is a complete homage to Final Fantasy VII. And you're like, really? I was like, a billion percent. Um, and it, it really surprised me. And obviously, I talk about that game all the time, and I love it. So for it to come up in a game like that, I was like, oh, no way. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I did quite I enjoy that. This game does homages right mm. in that they they feel loving rather than um, ripping them off. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there are other games that it does it with as well. And you, you can tell that this game was made with love. Um Okay, so the next thing I had on the list was uh, the structure of the game, actually. So let's talk about some of the different gameplay styles that you will encounter in this game, because this game is quite eclectic. Yeah, you've got um, you've got side-scrolly little bits. You've got a lot of combat-heavy sections. You've got some platforming sections. You've got exploration. Uh, you've got kind of like a 
a choose your own story section, which yeah. is primarily done, done in text. Um, a lot of boss fights. You've got an isometric section, which we just mentioned. Uh, Survival horror, where it goes yep. full Resident Evil for a good chunk. Yes. Um, there's a lot of different kind of game types, I suppose, here. Yeah, this um, game wears a lot of hats and... It's interesting that my first game was Alpha Protocol. And one of your criticisms of that game was that it it does wear a lot of hats, but it doesn't wear them all very well. Whereas I'd argue that Nier wears them better than Alpha Protocol. Um, as I said, it's it's a loving embrace of of those games, and mm. maybe not quite as good as those games, but it does a good job of um, yeah of of drawing on your nostalgia for those games. Mm-hmm. So hundred oh, percent. It's quite interesting in, in the way that it does that. Um, okay, on to our ever-present feature, Gameplay is King. Is near fun to play? Yeah, it, t- it takes a while to get into it, and I think that's the thing that I probably struggled with most with this game. And it, it's funny because y- you and I can both tell with each other when we're very keen to get like an update on thoughts or, or progress. And sometimes we just won't really bother each other during the week or two weeks when we're playing the game and we won't talk about it much. But pretty much every day, uh, you sent me a message saying, you played Nier today. You played a little bit of Nier today. I'll tell you why that was. I wanted you to get to the end of Path A because I feel like if you hadn't have got there, you wouldn't understand why I like it and why people like it. Yeah. Because so much is dropped at that ending and you start to realise what the game is. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, and, you, you know, um, we, we've given each other a free pass on two games on this, and there were times towards the start where it was quite slow, where I was like, I might have to pull a pull an early skip on this one. Uh, but, to be fair, I said the same with Alpha Protocol. I didn't, I completed it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm glad that I did. And I think... The thing that I struggle with in this game is there is a lot of monotonous backtracking and yes. a lot of monotonous Correct. world traversal. Um, and you you mentioned early on that you can um, you can get a, a, like a it's like a hog, isn't a it? Boar. Uh, yeah, a boar. I thought you said a whore there. <laughs> <laughs> that, a, a whore and a boar. A, a whorish boar. Um, yes. And that makes the travel ten times quicker, which is fantastic. Then towards the end of the game, you also get a fast travel section. Uh, on a canal which to be honest I think which the used... game also takes away for a big chunk yeah. after you've unlocked it yeah it's like right towards the end of the game and you can't use it for a big section and plus it doesn't really ever get you that close to where you want to be anyway so no. pointless this game is really unapologetic with the decisions that it makes it it makes those decisions and they're obviously deliberate mm. and it sticks with them um, for better or worse. Well, there, there, quite there, like there, it there's, um, there's a section towards the end of the game where you have to go to the um, the sea town to try and find the man with the red bag. This is before you get onto a haunted yeah. ship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it's like, oh, no, he's not here. Uh, I heard actually that though, that he, he knows someone from your town. So you travel all the way his there. Brother is, his, a... his brother lives in your town. Yeah. So you've got to travel all the way back to your town. And his brother's like, no, I haven't seen him. But go back to the original town. So you go back. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, are you joking? And um, then Vi- I'm sure Vice makes a comment about it. Yeah, he does. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the short answer to your question is, yeah, it, it, it's fun. It just takes a bit of time to get over the 
get over the hump, I think. Yeah, but... I get that. The hook. Get get to get his hooks in you, it does take some time. And took longer for me this time than um the than the the last time that I played it. So Yeah, I mean I I'm unsure on this one because I don't know if the game did hook me at any point, but at the same time I didn't dislike playing it. I think I said to you yeah. um, at the time, it was the idea of sitting down. And the, the, the problem I have with RPGs, and a few RPGs are in my you know favourite games of all time, but the thing I struggle with with RPGs is that you just know that they're so massive. And this one isn't huge, but no. there is kind of a, a self... There's a deliberate bloat in there. Yeah, there's a stigma with RPGs, and it was exactly the same. If if you go back and listen to the episode that we did before we um, before we played uh, Persona Five Royal, neither of us were looking forward to that because we both knew that it was an RPG, and we both knew that it hours was ninety long. hours, and like and a real ninety hours as well. Not yeah, not, not a <laughs> yeah, not a. Oh, you might get it done in forty. It was yeah, yeah. long, and. I think that's the problem that I have with RPGs. And it was my problem going into doing The Witcher 3 uh, when we played it again recently. And I know that we've got another RPG coming up on your list soon that I'm a bit a like... Few. It isn't as long as The Witcher 3. But... Yeah, it's quite different as well. Um, I, I, I still... I'm, I think you'll still... I think you'll struggle with it. Um, I think so too. To be quite honest. But yeah. We'll see. Um, it's different though. Yeah. So... I think if you can get over the the kind of RPG element of this game, you'll have a good time with it. And, f- and funnily enough, um, I-, I remember when I got to the second half of it and um, what's his bloody name? The little boy. I forget it every time. Emil. Emil. When Emil turns into this weird little goblin ghost man, um, I-, I, sent, I-, I sent a video. <laughs> yeah, Skullface. I sent a video um to uh one of my friends greg uh because he he is also a big lover of final fantasy um the the the, the ones on the ps1 and also final fantasy yeah. 10 which i know um you you I like, you, I like, you like to ride the shoe puff because uh, the shoe course. puff's waiting oh you, yes. yeah you, you've met greg all aboard. You? Yeah, of course you have all aboard um and i, I sent a screenshot to him and it, it was uh it was uh a meal and Kaine, and Kaine in the game wears this, effectively she wears lingerie, and it's very yeah. unapologetically pervy. Do you get why that? Do you, do you get, I mean, maybe we're veering into the characters a bit, and I do have a, a, a section for that later, but do you get why she's dressed like that? No. Um, I, I, I know about her backstory, but I don't know why she's dressed like that. But may, may, I'll, I'll, I'll cover it in a section later. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I sent him that. He was like, what are you playing? I said, I'm playing a game <laughs> for the podcast. And he was like, all right. I said, to be fair, mate, you love weird Japanese RPG games and you love Final Fantasy games. I said, you probably quite enjoy this. And he, he it's tends very to... weird. Yeah. And, and you know, he, he tends to play games that I suggest to him. Um, I just gave him a copy I, I had of Ghost of Tsushima. And oh, yeah. uh, he's just finished that. And he said, this might be my favourite game I've ever played. I'm like, okay. Wow. wow. So I said to him, I was like, when, when you get paid, maybe pick up a, a copy of this game because I think that you quite like it. Um, and it didn't always do it for me 100%, but for him, I'm like, yeah, I think you'll probably vibe with this game quite yeah. well. Um, 
but that is my answer to whether I think this game is fun. Yeah, most of the time. Just takes a while to get into it, you know? Yeah, I think this game is fun. Um, sometimes it does its best to make sure you're not enjoying it. And again, Quite. that feels deliberate. Um, when you're you're running around doing some of the bloated side quests, picking up materials, this is why I advised you not to do too many side quests. Um, there are did, some great ones I think in I did there. Two. It's, it's, it's unfortunate because there are some really good ones in there, mm. but they're just swamped with Bloat. these other pointless yeah. fetch quests. And um, they're, they're not fun. And so so for this playthrough, um, I did A and B endings, and I'm on um, C, which requires you to collect all the weapons. And I said to myself, I'm just going to give myself a bit of a break from it because especially playing through back-to-back like that, and it gets a bit wearisome. Um, and the the video that I told you to watch um, said the same thing, even though they love it probably in the same way that I do. Mm. Um, so it does its best sometimes to, to pull you out of it. Again, seemingly by design. Um, but yeah, when this game goes, it really goes. And it's really quite enjoyable. Um, which was your favourite little homage um, in there? And I'm guessing it's probably going to be the Final Fantasy VII one. Yeah, it's the Final Fantasy VII one. I mean, I I um I don't really have any love or really experience with the Resident Evil game, so it, it wasn't lost on me that section. But that really didn't do anything for me. I liked once I kind of got the got into the the run of oh okay, this is a bit of a Zelda vibe. I quite enjoyed that. Um, but but no, it it was the it was the Final Fantasy VII thing because it is it is almost beat for beat the same. It's crazy. Um, and I, I did really enjoy picking up on that. Um, but yeah, that that's easily my favourite. Which probably to nobody's surprise. What about you? I like two sections. So I like the Resident Evil uh, mansion, which um, someone that I was reading said even down to the camera angles they they mm-hmm. they, they mirror yeah. them yeah they do which again is a loving homage to uh, resident evil and it has its own we'll get onto the soundtrack but it has its own soundtrack for that resident evil yeah. section which is both haunting and sad and it's just a really nice piece of music and it lets you sit in that mansion for quite a while before it drops any enemies on you and really, there's not much that goes on in that uh, mansion section, but it's just the atmosphere that it's building. So I really mm. like that. I also like the um, the text adventures, completely different and pull you completely in the other direction where it's very passive and you're reading a lot. But when I first played this, and I, and I still feel the same way, those sections really expand the world. They really make you feel like this is a real place with a history and people that live there and the people have stories and lives and um yeah it made me wonder what was beyond the invisible wall of this world the uh, the edges of the map and any game that can do that automatically has my attention mm. and 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 this game does that um so they're probably my favorites do you have a favorite move physical action that you can do not really. I mean, the the combat 
although come you can you know line together combos and you you can use grimoire vice the book it's quite straightforward um yeah is a it's a magic um launcher i, I suppose is the word <laughs> um I, a the, rocket the, launcher a, a rocket launcher of magic um the the thing that i used the most really was the roll um <laughs> yeah i was going to say the roll as well. I, I just rolled everywhere the same as in the zelda games to be fair yeah it, yeah it's quicker to roll across hyrule field than it is to run and it was the same here it's quicker yeah. to, to roll across the northern or southern plains than it is to yeah. run and um, also when you're jumping double jumping and doing the, the yeah, rolling doing midair, little, you get little, dart forward yeah a little dart uh, but yeah, probably the roll. To be fair, there's nothing else really that stands out. It's like a cool move. So yeah, probably yeah. the thing that sped the game up a little bit for me. Yeah, agree with that. Um, what do you think some of the key themes are of this game? Um, uh, I don't know, mate. What was the feeling that you got from this game? Um, from everything that it says to you, or did you get one or? I, I know there are obviously there are some in there and particularly on the the second playthrough you pick up on a lot of themes um because of the the way that the story is revealed to you in in the second playthrough for the for the first playthrough I'd say probably companionship is yeah. is up there with um what's his name damn it little Emil. boy Emil Jesus Christ um Emil and and Kaine and uh, and obviously Grimoire Vice. Um, so companionship's probably one. I'd say maybe loyalty as well. Family, uh, duty, those kind of things. Um, but you'll probably be able to answer that question in a lot more detail than I can because you've played through all five of the endings and you know this game better than I do. I actually haven't played through the E-ending um, ah. because that was exclusive to the new version, so I've not got there yet. Okay. Um, yeah. But to me, this this is a this is a sad game. Everything about this game is sad, um, and it's a game about loss. There's mm. so much loss in this game that until you start to think about it, you may not realize. Um, one of the side quests that I did early on, which kind of uh, yeah, just got me. We it was there was an old man and. He was looking for his dog. So you go yep. looking for his dog. His dog's out in the field and you find his dog and his dog's been butchered by shades. And you find that in the dog's mouth is some medicine. And then you go back. It's tragic. You go back and the man, the old man's son's there. And he said the old man died. And it turns out that the dog Get used to medicine. go out to the field and bring the man his medicine. Mm. Yet the dog had been butchered. And then, then the old man died. Um, yeah. It's just stuff like that. It's, um, it's That's one. Then you've got the lighthouse lady. Who you have um, a lovely plot with her, her lover. That sends her letters. And it turns out her lover died a long time ago. And it was actually the townsfolk in uh, Seafront. That were sending her the letters. Um, to keep her hope alive and then you have a decision so whether to reveal <laughs> yeah and whether to reveal to her that her lover had died all those years ago or to um keep it to going. let her die yeah or to let her die um thinking that he's still alive and that he uh, may make it back to her mm. and again that's the story of loss and then 
then then as as the game gets to the second half, it ramps up, and I mean some of the sub stories that you you find out in the B um, playthrough, uh, absolutely brilliant one. Um, so you 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 know uh, the junk heap that yeah. you did the second time where there's a robot and a little shade. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I know the story of that one. Yeah, so the, the little boy is called Khalil and his mum dies and uh, he's left alone and this robot comes to meet him and at first um, he's going to kill him but then he overrides that and he uh, d- vows to protect him. I think um, something along the lines of that they were together for 900 years or something like that and um what that you get snippets of their backstory and um the boy teaching the robot things and teaching him about the outside world and their one dream is to see the outside see the world outside, yeah. and you flash back to the present and there's um a very annoying little boy who who also experiences his own loss so first he loses his mother then he loses his brother at really his own fault because he's being clumsy and causes his brother to get killed but he blames this little shade khalil and the the robot and he becomes um driven by revenge on the robot yeah so you have this boss fight which initially you you just breeze through and you wipe them both out and then you unlock this context and in, in 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 the second playthrough they talk to you while you're fighting them and they're basically begging you not to kill them. And at one point, this is this is a touch of genius. At one point, the robot with the shade on his back launches towards the ceiling of the room that you're in. And when you first play it, you think, oh, he's just trying to attack me and debris falls on you and you're trying to dodge the debris. Um, but when you unlock this context... The robot's trying to escape with the little boy to get away from you. Yeah. And that's why he launches himself towards the ceiling and then comes crashing down. And the shade playing. is, yeah, the shade is is um, separated from the robot. The robot's basically gone now and you just wipe out the shade and it's tragic. Um, and as you said, the, the husband with the red bag, he's slaughtered. <laughs> There's so much of it in this game so much loss it's just prevalent throughout the whole story and it's also those shades of grey um, as, as I say you play through the first playthrough and you just wipe out everyone and then the second playthrough you you unlock this context which basically says that there's no right or wrong there's no um, black or white there are shades of grey and the shades have their lives just as much as you do it doesn't mean they're always entirely innocent um, there's the the little girl who you fight on the beach yep. who murders humans and she's not innocent but she wants to become human and yeah, she, she thinks does that's the way to thinks, do it yeah make yeah it. yeah so that's one um, another one is uh, I mentioned I'll mention this here so I don't want to uh, go into too much detail here um, because I, I, it's not it's not uh the place and we don't we couldn't possibly do this conversation justice um so Kaine mentioned um the fact that she's she's quite overtly sexualized in her appearance yeah yet one of the things you find out in the second playthrough is that she was 
worn um, both male and female. Yeah. And you unlock um, a lot of context for her character. And it's very interesting. And she's a fantastic character. And um, I think... Don't don't know if this is correct. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I think the reason that she's presented in that way, in that sexualized way, is because so many games do that. So many games present um, characters like that. Yeah. But this game is saying, well, maybe she's not what you expect her to be. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's that bit of subtext that I think is really important because every decision that this game makes, I feel like, is deliberate. And I feel like that clothing choice is also deliberate. Oh, yeah, of course, 100%. Um, so yeah, they're, they're just some of them, but I mean, the game has many, many more, um, family, uh, yeah, all sorts of things. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about the visuals of the, the remastered remade version. What do you think of them? I think they're all right. I think, um, I think it looks like a, an upscaled version of a, a game from the, the mid 2010s, uh, which I know obviously it originally came out in 2010 or 2011 um but yeah I, th- I think it looks good um it looks quite dated and it is very very in line with like we say like final fantasy games from the yeah from the 2010s it is it does have that very distinct this is a japanese role-playing game element of it um but i think it looks it looks fine um I know that we'll come to it, but I think the sound design and the music and the voice acting is a lot better than the visuals of this game. But the visuals, n- nothing to write home about. The, the word I'd say is fine, um, personally. What, what do you think? So when this game was released, I know you played the PS4 version. So they they did a funny thing where they, they did a dual release on the Series X and the Xbox One. But the PS5 didn't get its own version. Oh right. So I've got a feeling that the Series X version looks has better. a higher resolution yeah, than. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily looks better, but I th- it seems to run at a, yeah. a higher resolution than 1080p. And um, at times, this game can be very pretty. Um, like when you're looking out over the fields and you can see the mountains in the distance, and yeah, it can, it can look very nice, and the lighting is very nice. Um, yeah, I think it's not it's not a technological masterpiece, but no. there is beauty in there, and I think it it lends itself to this this world which is decaying. That is, uh, what happens after a post apocalypse, and you've got the remnants of the buildings of the modern time. Um, that you can see in the distance, like you can see from seafront, you can see the remnants of a metallic bridge yeah. um, that used to, to cross over. And at times it is beautiful and it lends itself to that story that it's telling, that it wholeheartedly is telling. Um, but at the same time, it, it's not... It the, the art style can be very good at times, but it's not... Um, it's not the best art style ever and it's not got the best graphics ever, but I, I, yeah, it's just solid and lends itself to the story it's telling. Um, okay. Elaborate on your, your comment about the, the audio. I, I said to you quite early on, um, it, it's the case more, more than off, more often than not that we will say, Oh yeah, we quite like the music in this game, but I think the music in, uh, in this one 
st maybe doesn't stand above everything else that we've played in the last three years, but it's definitely up there. The music is very good in this game. Um, it's very, very much in line with its environmental storytelling. Um, the, the the music's catchy, and you know whenever I went back into the village and went into the library. I always looked forward to hearing that music and as the game progresses and you, you progress through the story the music seems to get a little bit darker um which i think works quite well and then the, the music's one element i think the voice acting across the board is okay but you do have the standout with the voice actor that yeah. um voices grimoire vice um i thought yeah he's great yeah i thought he was really good um because Grim grimoire vice um because so like we said at the start, you've got your three companions. You've got uh, Emil, you've got Kaine, and you've got Grimoire He's almost voice. the player voice. Sorry? He's almost the player voice, Grimoire Yeah, voice. a little bit. Um, you know, Kaine is the the super sexualized, um, hard as nails, brash woman that sweary, swears a lot. Which is, yeah, that you don't often get in Japanese no. RPGs. Emil is this sweet little boy that just wants to help people and doesn't want to be lonely and wants to do his but best. But he's also a bit of a friends. monster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's got something inside him that is, um, you know, dangerous. And wipes out an entire town. Yeah. And you've got the, the player character in the first half, you know, he, he wants to do anything for anyone um, and will we'll help out with quests and, and, and stuff. Whereas the five years later version of Nia is a lot more jaded a lot more just kind of one tone and seems a little bit bereft but then you've got the the companion grimoire vice who is as we said earlier a magical book that follows you around um and he i think is a really good addition to the the the, the group because they all take themselves very very seriously but Grimoire Vice takes himself seriously to a point where it's funny. So the guy, the, the, you know, the, the rest of the team, uh, you know, saying how awful things are and how they're going to save Yona. But then you've got Grimoire Vice who takes himself so seriously because he thinks he's the special ancient book uh, that should always be, um, you know, addressed as Grimoire Vice, not Vice or Vicey. Um, yeah. He's always, you know, complaining and kicking off about stuff and just making very what feels like very kind of like British stiff upper lip vibe uh, jibes at people. Um, so I think the voice acting for Grimoire Vice was really good. Um, but yeah, music and voice acting was excellent, I think. Yeah, I think um, start with the voice acting. I think to portray some of the levels of emotion in there, I I've just wiped out a town or village. Um, mm. I am about to die. I love the section. Um, I think Emil becomes a really standout character, and I think his lines were probably not that easy to deliver given the range of yeah, emotion that's in there and 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 what the character has been through and the innocence that's maintained there. One of the one of the the bits that I love is um, he, he sacrifices himself. Yeah, Kane and Nier, and he he's basically being brave, and he's saying, um, "Don't Vice and Kane don't don't kill each other." And then you just see him alone, and he just says to himself, "I don't want to die. 
and then basically implodes. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's again it's it's that loss. Um, I mean, it's not necessarily that as the other endings will, will uh, reveal, but upon that initial playthrough, he's he's for all intents and purposes dead, and yeah, Kaine as well. Um, it's just pitch perfect, and uh, and and the same with the main character. I mean, at first, a bit annoying um, as as a kid, and yeah, this was the first time that I played Replicant, and I was thinking, why do people prefer the brother um, when he's so bloody annoying? Mm. Um, but as the five years passes and they uh, kind of develop his character, I much prefer the older, yeah, same. Um, older near. And so when when he grows up and the voice acting there and there's some there's some wonderful lines again and again this this game goes places um, that games don't often go. There's the, there's the section where um, Popla and Devola, who are twins that live in the village that Nia lives in, they say that Kaine and Emil because they frighten the other other villagers have to, stay have to sleep outside. outside. Yeah, and it's not a place that japanese rpgs usually go to and then you get some some voiceover from um near saying um for the first time i hated this character and yeah it's just goes to some unexpected places um so yeah i think really really good general voice acting and i agree grimoire vice is, is brilliant and yeah. plays off the other characters brilliantly and each character brings their own thing and they, the interplay between them is just very nice to listen to. Um, the soundtrack, without that soundtrack, I don't think this game would be quite as fondly remembered. It's it's something else. Yeah, the music is very and good. The way that it changes as you go from... So you've got that main theme, which um, you, you hear in the field... Um, which, as you say, is like Hyrule Field. Mm. And then that develops as you go to different places. And then you've got the overlay of vocals, which is apparently in its own language. Different languages mixed together in there. Yeah, it's been developed, uh, especially for the game. And yeah, there's some really wonderful pieces of music. I was going to ask you, which is your favourite piece of music, if you could pick one? The library. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It just... um... I don't know, it just feels, makes you feel at ease, I think. What about you? I really like um, the music when you go to the desert and you're crossing the desert to get to Facade. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really nice piece. Um, I also really like, um, there's the, 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 the music that you hear a lot towards the end when a lot of the reveals are playing and it's quite melancholy. I like that yeah. a lot. Um, and I had one more that I, that I oh yes as I said the the Resident Evil mansion yes. I think that's um, quite poignant as well um, okay describe the game in a single word um, can, hard, you go, I think. can you go first oh no you've got to think as well have you no no I, I'm going to go for the word that came to me throughout this playthrough, which is, um, I've already alluded to it, so probably not going to elaborate too much on it, which is loss. Um, I think underneath all the loss, there's there's a hopeful game in there, but that loss is everywhere. And yeah. It's, a, it's, it's like the game is an exploration of 
how to cope with that loss and, and uh, the different ways that people cope. I, so, I, yeah. I'd probably say, uh, in line with what you said, I'd probably say hope. Um, okay. Because obviously the, the, the main quest of the game is to you know to find to find Yona and to bring her back which is obviously it's quite a hopeful game um no matter how bleak everything is i think there's a lot of hope in there so i'll, I'll say hope yeah okay that's two sides of a coin which is nice that's um right. okay question of the week i've not really fully formed this question of the week so i'm so prepared all right um, <laughs> so this game obviously has a certain way of dealing with um replay replayability and endings um what's the best way uh for a an rpg to deal with that new game and that replay and uh alternative endings it does it need alternative endings um no i think you should just make the game longer but personally because if if i didn't know from what you told me and i didn't really pay attention at the end of the game in terms of what what was there i'd be like oh, i'll finish the game now and that's it. Whereas I'm I'm not a big fan of New Game Plus. Is in the New Game Plus on this game is a little bit different because you don't start from the very beginning every time. No. You start from the halfway point, um, which is when um, you uh, unpetrify Kaine. Yes. But yeah, I think if you want to add more story, I understand it, and I think that this game has got those New Game Pluses in there for the reason of the story it's a different line of narration every time but personally i'm like for, for most games and this one's probably an exception i'd say just just make a longer game um or, or find another way to do it because otherwise people might miss out on it um yeah i agree with that you know um and this and, game you do you miss probably 50 percent of the story in a way mm-hmm. yeah uh just doing the first playthrough and, and, and even with with epilogues and stuff as well you, you often find that when people play through games once they finish the main story they're kind of done but a, a good example of it is red dead redemption 2 because uh, i don't think you finished the epilogue did you um with john i can't remember i don't think you did um and... i did no i did do that yeah so you're on his farm aren't you and and he does uh he does bits and yeah, I did do that. Cause it, a lot of people, like a lot of my friends who, who finished it, they were like, Oh, okay. Uh, Cause you fin- told me to do it. I think so I did yeah. it. I think maybe you did it after we recorded the episode. Cause I remember describing the, the last section of the game in that episode. Ah, so okay. maybe you did it after. Um, but I think that it, I, I've got a lot of friends that played red dead Two and they, they really enjoyed it. But, they didn't do the epilogue, so like, oh well, that's the end of Arthur's story, and we know what happens to John Marston at the end of Red Dead Redemption One. So, yeah. like, what's the point? Whereas, there's some really good stuff in the epilogue of Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think just make longer, longer narratives and longer stories. You know, th- there's no, there's no harm in that, and and make it very obvious that it is part of the, the overall story. You know, what about games that? Um save your game before the final boss but never acknowledge that you've defeated the final boss and you can always go back and clear up those things that you've done before uh, or that you haven't that you've missed maybe but you can always go back and do that final boss what do you think of that way of doing things yeah i've I've got no no qualms with that i always find that really bloody annoying um 
Final Fantasy VII does that. Um, does it? Yeah, I, I don't have any qualms with it. Like for, for me, it's rare that once I've done a final boss of a game, I'll go back and clean up things unless it's really done something that makes me want to do that. Like like we said with Persona Five Royal, I completed that and then started a new game plus pretty much straight away, so I could get the platinum, which I never do. Um, so sometimes you know it's good to do that, but yeah, I, I don't have a problem with like a, a before the end of game save point if people want to go back. It's it's up to them, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, I like to have some acknowledgement that I've, I've finished a game, whether it's New Game Plus mm. or something, a save after the final boss. Yeah. Um, I like the way that Nier does it just because I quite like games that go against the grain Yeah. and right. try different things with for- formatting. And uh, I, do, I wouldn't want every game to do it. Um, no. But I think with the clarity of the story that they're trying to tell, um, it all feeds into that and mm. I think for that reason it works here um, okay does it deserve to be uh, considered one of the best games of all time I don't think so I, I, I thought it was good um, and overall I enjoyed it but I don't I don't think I'd, I'd put it with um, with our idea of what the top 100 games of all time would be Um it's a fun time and there are people that I think would really take a lot from this game and I um I didn't I didn't dislike it it was uh it was oh, no, I know it, it was an experience and I'm glad that I finished it but I wouldn't say you know top top 100 games of all time um what do you think I think it's a very special game and very unique. And I think because of that, um, on that top 100 list, we've got a lot of games that I think we said that aren't special mm, and yeah. a lot of games that we would have given the boots. So when you consider the list as it is and, and the games that are on there, I think for me, it absolutely uh, could replace quite a few of those games and, and yeah. um, it would have its place on that list. I think what I what I can say about this game is, well, two things. When I first played it, it felt really fresh. Yes. Because it just... The things that it does, just it, they're not seen um, anywhere else or everywhere else. Um, there's a there's a lot going on in terms of it being a game. It's very aware that it's a game, despite the story that it's telling, and it really feeds into what it means to be a game. And I think this is a game that I believe that um, Yoko Taro's idea for this game. I believe everything feeds into that. I believe this is the game that he wanted to make, warts and all. I think it is exactly what he wanted it to be. Yeah. To the point where um, he wears Emil's mask when he does interviews. He obviously is very proud of this game, but also this game is probably pretty revealing of who he, the director, is. And because of that, I think it's special. And I would much rather have a special game on this list that maybe it doesn't in terms of gameplay, maybe it doesn't um, 
have the most refined gameplay. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't have the best graphics, but it is special and it is unique and it tells a wonderful story with so many layers and it um, goes against the grain and it does something different with the traditional structure of games and for that I think it deserves to be there over your multiple iterations of even Zelda or Gran mm. Turismo or um, the other various sequels that we played, all your Grand Theft Autos, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Definitely there's a place there for, for a game like this I think. Yeah, yeah, I I can understand that thinking. Uh, when you bring into the the equation, oh, some games have got multiple entries on the list, and yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I'm I'm open to that conversation, but I'm not entirely convinced. But I enjoyed it; it was good. Okay. Um, what have we got coming up uh, next time on the list? Hitman Three. There you go. Hitmon Chan. Hitman Hitman Lee. Hitmonchan and Pikachu. We're playing Pokemon. No, it's uh, Hitman Three from the uh, the newish trilogy that's been being released over the last few years. So it's uh, the most recent edition. Um, I would. We do usually go into this by saying, "Tell me something about the game before I go in." But I know you've completed yeah. this previously, and you've already completed it for the uh, the podcast again. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that question. Sort of null and um, void for this episode. No, but anything you would have said to me before i played it um or, or that you'd say to a listener that hasn't played it uh hitman is actually his surname and his name is john hitman <laughs> that's what i'd say probably um relation of course to john blobby uh who, mr blobby's um first name is uh is that so, well, you made a reference to Mr. Blobby in a video that you sent me where you had just revealed um, Emil's basically uh, new true form. form. Is he, yeah, yeah he, he, he does look like a, um, a haunted Mr. Blobby. Um, yeah. And before I even started this game, you sent me a gif of Emil. And I thought that you just found a really weird gif that someone had made of like a haunted Mr. Blobby. And I was like, what the bloody hell is that? And you're like, oh, you'll see. I was like, all right. And then it happened. I was like, ah. But yeah, if if you want to get in on the Mr. Blobby vibes, then um, I mean, cursed Mr. Blobby, you know, uh, go and play near replicant because uh, yeah. Emil looks like Mr. Blobby, uh, in my opinion. Good stuff. Yeah. So there you go. But um, yeah, uh, Hitman Three next time. Next so, week. Yes, should be should be a good un. I hope. But yes, as usual, find us on the social medias. You can email us along short a bit podcast at hotmail.com. Um, the normal social medias, share the things and the, the stuff and the likes and the subscriptions. And it's all very good, very good. Um, but yeah, that, that's everything I've got for now. And anything else from you for today? No, that's it from me. Lovely. We'll see you next week then for Hitman 3. I think that's going to get annoying if I keep calling it Hitman. Hitman <laughs> 3. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you then. In the meantime, take care. Cheerio. See you on the next one.